What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow us on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, on Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. And with that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and it's Tuesday morning. We're talking waiver pickups, what we learned, and a bunch of other good stuff, and I'm, I'm ready to hop right into it. We're going to start off with the waiver pickups, and man, this guy just exploded Rex Burkhead. He's only 11% owned. He's a good pickup, and you know, if you need a running back in a pinch, he could do it for you. We don't know when James White is going to come back right now. You know, unfortunately, he lost his father last weekend in a car accident, and that's why he has missed the past two games. It's part of the reason Burkhead has seen the opportunity he has seen. We do not have a timetable on when James White is going to come back to football. But while he is out, Rex Burkhead is going to be a good fantasy option. He's not going to be nearly what he was this last week with three touchdowns. And, you know, Cam Noon had a bad day and Burkhead just dominated the Raiders. That's not going to be what we should expect. But he could be a solid... 12 to, you know, 14 point guy weekly until James White gets back. Then we have Justin Jefferson. He finally broke out. This was the week. And this was actually the week for a lot of rookie wide receivers, all of whom we are going to hit on just within the next five minutes. Justin Jefferson, he's only 31% owned. I am excited to pick him up and stash him on the bench. I'm not putting him in my lineups right away. I want to see more. He was madly efficient. He had 175 yards and a touchdown. One of those was the touchdown pass was like 71 yards or 74 yards. But even if you take that one play out, he had a great day and a great showing. And he looks really good. So I'm excited for Justin Jefferson. He's finally showing up in the NFL. And, you know, we expected the rookie wide receivers to start slow. But they actually all picked up faster than I would have expected, especially because we've missed a preseason this year. Then another guy that's a rookie wide receiver that showed up this week, Brandon Ayuk, or Ayuk, I'm actually not sure how you say it, 28% owned, which I was actually very surprised to see he was owned that much, but he is somebody, I would slot him above Jefferson. So, so far between Jefferson, Ayuk, and Burkhead, Ayuk is the person I would spend the most fab on if I'm in need of a receiver, and I'm not even an Ayuk fan. I'm not even that high on him. I was not nearly as high on him as apparently the 49ers were when they decided to take him in the first round and trade up for him in the NFL draft. But the thing is, is we have to see the situation and we have to see the opportunity. And he is the number one wide receiver. And yes, I know Debo Samuel may be coming back. We don't know at what extent in terms of health he will be 100%, 80%, 70%, who knows. But we do know that I have played well, showed good chemistry with Nick Mullins, which makes sense because Nick Mullins is the backup and I don't know how many starting reps in the offseason Ayuk was getting. So him and Nick Mullins, if he was, you know, catching passes on the second team offense all through that throughout the offseason, it would make sense that they have good wrap-up or chemistry or whatever you want to say. So I like Ayuk a lot. He's actually my favorite rookie wide receiver that broke out in terms of what I think he can do the rest of the season. Then another guy I really like, T. Higgins. If you guys have been listening for a while, you know I love him. He my comp for him is Brandon Marshall. He reminds me of him a lot, and I've said it so many times, so most of you guys have probably heard it, but I believe that T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Auden Tate with Joe Burrow can be a top five wide receiving core as soon as next year when A.J. Green leaves. 
And the thing is, is T Higgins is he might be pushing out AJ early because AJ did look a little bit better this week than he did last week versus the Browns. But T Higgins looks good. And yes, I know he was like open a lot, but T Higgins is a monster. Okay, and if he just got two touchdowns in this game versus the Eagles, they're trying to use him. Plus, John Ross was was a healthy scratch because of T. Higgins. So, T. Higgins with Joe Burrow, that, that Bengals team is passing 45, 50 times a game, it seems like. And that's great for T. Higgins, for Tyler Boyd and everyone else. So, he's somebody, he's only 5% owned, and I like him. I actually like him over Jefferson. And the reason I like him over Jefferson is what we just talked about. The Bengals are going to be passing the ball way more than the Vikings. And T. Higgins might end up being the second most targeted guy there in front of A.J. Green. He was this week, and we'll see how that carries out. That'll actually be something to monitor in Thursday's podcast. Then we have our last rookie wide receiver, but I'm going to tell you right now I'm not as excited for him for the rest of the season for fantasy purposes, and that's Gabriel Davis. For the Bills, he had 80-ish yards. I think it was 84. John Brown missed most of the game, okay? He got hurt and was basically out the rest of the game in the very beginning, and that was part of the reason why Gabriel Davis had his opportunity. John Brown shouldn't be out for long. I'm sure he'll be back next week, and so, you know, that already pushes Davis out the way. Plus, Josh Allen has been throwing the ball. Look, he's been amazing, but Josh Allen is not somebody who's going to throw the ball as much as he has to this point through the season the rest of the year. There's no way their defense is too good for that, and I'm sure their run game is going to start getting going eventually between Singletary and Moss, and also Josh Allen obviously running the ball. So I don't expect them them to like just let it rip 24-7. Also, as he starts to make some of these mistakes, because, look, he's great for fantasy. I love Josh Allen, and I'm actually very impressed with what he's been able to do, but he still makes a lot of those crazy throws and a lot of like turnover-worthy plays. A lot of them, just he's gotten lucky so far. It's only been three weeks so far this season. He's gotten lucky with a lot of them not becoming turnovers. If those start to pile up, if the odds start flipping back to, you know, average on those turnover-worthy plays, then the Bills might look to, you know, pull Josh Allen back a little bit and go back more to the running game, rely on their defense, let Josh Allen take his shots, but not just put the whole game on Josh Allen. And if that happens, it's going to be tougher for all the receivers and whatnot. It'll be better for the running backs. Josh Allen will still be great. But that's part of the reason why I'm not really excited for Gabriel Davis. I'm not going to put in a bid for him at all. Then the last person, actually two more people, both 1% owned, Braxton Berrios and Greg Ward. The thing with Braxton Berrios, it's an interesting name to say, is that Jameson Crowder could be back this week. And also Le'Veon Bell could be back in like two or three weeks. That's already taking a whole bunch of targets off the table. And we already don't like the Jets. We don't like that situation, right? So Braxton Berrios is not somebody I'm excited for. But if you need a wide receiver in a really deep league to throw into your starting lineup in a pinch and Crowder's not back yet, only if Crowder's not back yet, then go ahead and try out Braxton Berrios. And then Greg Ward for the Eagles, similar to Braxton. If, you know, anybody starts getting healthy because Jacks, you know, got hurt. If he comes back, he's healthy. When Dallas Goddard is healthy, all these people start getting healthy again in the Eagles offense. Greg Ward's going to go back to being nothing, especially Alshon could, could come back soon. He could come back, I think, as soon as actually next week because the IR he was put on was only for three weeks because of the COVID rules. So he could be back as well. So Greg Ward's not somebody I'm looking at either. So basically the summary of the waiver pickups, and that's it. That's it for this week. There wasn't any like super crazy injuries that led to pickups. There wasn't any crazy breakouts. It was really just the rookies and Rex Burkhead. So that was all the waiver guys in order 
of like how I would want to pick them up would be Brandon Ayuk. I would put the most money on him. Then T. Higgins. Then Justin Jefferson. Then Rex Burkhead. And that's pretty much it. I'm not touching the other three between Barrios, Davis, and Ward. But if you want to take a shot on them and you really need some help, go for it. Now let's talk about what we learned. And we're going to rewind the clock all the way back to Thursday to Gardner Minshew, the stash versus the beard. We know what happened. The beard came out on top. I guess Fitz was right. Fitz Magic is back. He had a great day. And let's talk about that Miami game. Miles Gaskin, three weeks in a row now. You can cement it. You can put it in stone. Miles Gaskin is the guy. Breda and Howard. I've been saying Howard was droppable since like the first week of the NFL season before games were even played. I was never a Jordan Howard guy. But you guys know I liked Matt Breda. For some reason, they don't use him. I guess I can kind of see why, though, because Gaskin does look really good. And I've told you this before. Every time I see Gaskin, I think it's Breda because Breda is always a, a you know, very highly efficient guy per touch. And that's what Gaskin looks like for the most part. And he's good in the receiving game. So Gaskin is the guy you can drop Breda. And if you picked him up after week one, Gaskin, or even after week two, because he was still on a lot of waivers, you should be feeling pretty good right now. I think he's going to be a solid RB2. Preston Williams. With Fitzpatrick is also droppable. He pulled in the touchdown, but he only had two targets. And Fitz had a great day. A great day. And Preston Williams had more than, more targets in the first two games. He actually out-targeted Devontae Parker, but he wasn't producing with them. All of a sudden, now his targets dropped, maybe because he wasn't producing with them. So as much as we love the Preston Williams late, you know, late round pick, the late flyer, I think it's time to part ways with our man Preston. He is also droppable. Gasicki. Devontae Parker and Miles Gaskin are the only players to own in Miami. Now let's flip to the other side of the ball. We got Minshew. He really struggled without DJ Chark. Also, not only did he struggle with... Look, I know he didn't have the, the greatest showing. I'm not just saying, oh, the only reason Minshew was bad was, was because DJ Chark was hurt. That's not what I'm saying, but I think it played a big role. Also, there were a lot of drops. A lot of drops. Conley had like two big drops. I'm pretty sure Keelan Cole had a drop. So... You know, Minshew could have had a better day. He really could have if they just pulled in some balls. But, you know, it's actually crazy. And, you know, even I just finished the Chiefs game. Once again, I'm recording late Monday night. Just finished the Chiefs game. There's, it seems like everyone's dropping balls. I, like, and you can't even chalk that up to like preseason or lack of offseason. I don't think so. I mean, I feel like catching a, a football is like riding a bike. You learn how to do it and that's it. Like, I went three years without riding a bike. I rode a bike like two weeks ago. And I was not even using my hands. It's easy. Once you learn how to do it, that's it. That's how catching a football should be. So I don't know what's going on, but every single NFL game I turn on, for some reason, somebody's dropping a ball. And it's really frustrating just thinking of like how much money these guys make. Like, come on. But anyways, with that said, out the way, Minchu struggled without Chark. And James Robinson, he's legit. Him and Gaskin. Both of these guys, it was a cool game for that reason, because Gaskin and Robinson were two guys that we had no idea about until basically the season started because we had no preseason. And they both were those running back pickups off the waivers in week one that look like they're going to pay dividends through the rest of the season. James Robinson was really good. He gets all of the work in the running back room. He even started getting a lot of receptions. The buy window for Robinson has closed. And if you're in win now mode, Robinson is a guy that hopefully you have on your team. And if you're in any dynasty teams or even keeper leagues that, you know, go up to like eight keepers, deep keeper leagues, if you're a contender, 
see who has James Robinson. Because if it's somebody that's looking like they're one and two, oh and three, and they don't see themselves doing anything this year, see it, see what the price on Robinson is. Because he could really help you win this year, especially with how many people have been going down to injury this season so far. You want as much depth as you can possibly get. So he's a good buy, not saying he's a buy low because his value is up there, but I think it'll be worth it if you're trying to win this year and, you know, a non-contender has him. That's what I got for the Dolphins Jaguars. Now we can bring it to Sunday and we're going to start with my team, my Buccaneers versus the Broncos. Brady, he's starting to roll. He's starting to roll in this offense. Chris Godwin did tweak his hammy, but Godwin and Evans and Gronk started getting involved in a passing game. Everybody started clicking with Brady. Ronald Jones, in the debate, Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette, look, they're both frustrating, but Ronald Jones is still the lead guy. He got the bulk of the touches, the bulk of the passing down snaps. He was blocking in passing downs and getting receptions in passing downs. So he's clearly the number one still. So if you have to choose one, if you have them both and you know you need to spot, I've actually seen that a lot. A lot of people have both Bucks running backs. You can drop Fournette if you need to. Ronald Jones is the better one to own. The Bucks' offense is well spread out, okay? And it will be very frustrating for fantasy owners. I love to see it as a Bucks fan because it's so hard for defenses to stop. An offense that has so many options and doesn't just hone in on one of them. And that's what you get with Brady. Brady knows how to go through his reads and take the best option. He'll always take what the defense gives him. So it's great for the Bucks' offense, great for my team. But for fantasy teams, it's going to be really frustrating. Mike Evans had two targets. Guess what else he had? Two touchdowns. That's right. Mike Evans has four touchdowns in the first three games. The guy I predicted to have the most receiving touchdowns at the wide receiver position this season. Looking pretty good so far, even despite the fact that he is severely lacking in targets other than the one week two game. But versus the Saints, he got one target, one touchdown. And well, he got more targets, but they didn't show up on the stat sheet because of um, pass interferences. And then um yeah this week he only got two catches for two touchdowns so Evans I'm I'm worried about him for fantasy purposes and Godwin I mean first concussion now tweaked Tammy plus that offense goes to whoever's open between Evans Gronk OJ Ronald Jones Scotty Miller Tyler Johnson started getting some snaps so Godwin and Evans are both, if you could get a really good price on either of them, I wouldn't mind selling them. Just because, look, they'll have great days, they'll they'll be decent overall, but I don't think they're going to be as good as everyone thought they would be and what they were drafted to be. And that's what I got. There's really not many, uh, not many notes from the Broncos offense. I mean, they sat Driscoll, and I think it was the third quarter. No, it might have been the beginning of the fourth. They sat Driscoll and then brought in their third third guy on the depth chart so that's I mean you're not even giving your backup one full game that's kind of obnoxious in my opinion um from the Broncos side of things but Melvin Gordon was a a bust this week like I said he was going to be because of that Bucks defense and they were going to be playing catch up so they weren't going to be able to really run the ball out or anything like that and that was pretty much the game because other than like Jerry Judy there's not really anybody there I'm not the huge the biggest guy in KJ Hamler, he's a gadget guy. I think it'll be super frustrating week to week. And so he's not somebody I want to own. Then we got the Cowboys Seahawks game. This is Russ's MVP season, no doubt. And I'm here for it, baby. I love my man Russ. He's always been one of my favorite players in the league. Always. And I'm so happy that he is just balling out. The team's letting him throw the ball. He, you know, he, he had 40 passes. That's 
so much compared to what we have seen from the Seahawks offense. 40 passes, 5 touchdowns, sick day. He could have had 6, but DK got one punched out at the 1-yard line because he's strolling in, didn't realize there's a defender on his hip. And it went through the end zone, and then the Cowboys got the ball. So he could have had 6, and it's it's insane. I, I love it for him. DK and Tyler Lockett are both wide receiver ones this year, rest of season, because of Russ's mad efficiency and the fact that he's just letting it rip now. Plus, which, if you haven't seen this, go look it up. Plus, Chris Carson just got dealt an injury, and they, they're, they're saying they're optimistic that he might be back for next week. But one of the Cowboys, I don't remember who it was, basically gator-rolled him during a tackle. He was holding his leg. Chris Carson was already down. And the Cowboy offensive lineman, big or defensive lineman, big boy, just holding on to Chris Carson's leg, just rolls on the ground. And Chris Carson has another cowboy pinned on his back, so he can't really roll with the defender. So his leg is just getting twisted. And, you know, he hurt his knee. Hopefully he's fine. They're saying that, you know, despite what they thought was going to be the result of the MRI, he seems fine. So that's good. But if you have Chris Carson banged up, that's even more of a chance Russ is going to just keep throwing crazy. So I love Russ, love DK, love Lockett as wide receiver ones the rest of the season. And in two tight end leagues, I know this is not appealing to everyone, so I'm just going to hit a quick note on it. Two tight end leagues, Greg Olson is a pretty safe play. All of Dallas's games will be shootouts. All of Dallas's games so far have hit the over in Vegas, and everyone's dropping fantasy points on Dallas, and Dallas is always dropping fantasy points. So any game that Dallas plays, you should be looking to play guys in that game, period. Michael Gallup, one week too late for my start of the week last last week, but Michael Gallup finally had a day, 138 yards and a touchdown. If you have Michael Gallup, I would just hold him because one game is probably not enough to be able to sell him high, and I actually think, you know, him and CeeDee Lamb are going to be fighting all year for targets against each other and you know what they're going to be throwing the ball enough where they could both be having good days along with Amari Cooper so Gallup to me just hold him and see see you know how the next few weeks play out Dak Prescott Russell Wilson both of them have proved so far along with Kyler Kyler Murray that the second tier of quarterbacks were all steals this season this is very rare Kyler Dak Russ and Watson were all taken between rounds five and seven other than Deshaun Watson which is the one I told you guys I'm not touching this season and told you guys to stay away from that worked out Dak Russ and Kyler all are looking like steals because they are all playing out of their minds Lions versus Cardinals I told you guys during the survivor picks if you remember this that I could see this being a trap game something just seemed like hey Kenny Galladay's back. The Lions might be able to pull this one out versus the Cardinals. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, the Lions ended up winning, so I'm glad we didn't go that direction in the survivor picks. And I know a lot of people did, and I'm waiting because it's 11.33 Eastern time right now as I'm recording. I'm waiting till it hits 12, so by the time I'm done recording, I'm going to check. And I'm curious to see how many people got knocked out and how many people took the Cardinals because I know that was a, a popular survivor pick this week. So good thing we didn't go that direction. Outside of the survivor part of the game, DeAndre Swift, he's basically an exclusive receiving back for them, it seems like. And you can drop him in shallow leagues, 10-team leagues or 12-team leagues with small benches. Like, I'm talking six-person benches. You could just drop DeAndre Swift because Adrian Peterson is their RB1 in carries. Carry-on still getting carries. 
DeAndre Swift's barely getting carries, and he's not getting much receiving work. So he's, man, and he's droppable, period. Like, there's nothing else I can say. I didn't have him. I actually have DeAndre Swift. It's pretty crazy because he was my RB1 before the draft, the April, like the NFL draft, not fantasy drafts. But after he went to Detroit, I decided I wasn't touching him. I have him in 0% of my leagues. And I have, let's see, um, I think I have 11 leagues. Yeah, I have 11 leagues. And DeAndre Swift is on my team in zero of them. So I'm happy about that. But, you know, I, I hope the guy, I hope the best for the guy because I loved him. He was my RB1 in this class. I, they just, the lines are frustrating, guys. Kenny Galladay, he's back. He looks good. The Lions running backs are all untouchable. Like I said, Adrian Peterson is the RB1, but he's not getting receptions and he's not really getting much touchdowns. So I'm not touching any of their running backs. The big thing of note in this game to me was that Kenyon Drake was a big disappointment. Next week versus the Panthers is his last chance to prove that he is not a bust at the point he was drafted, in my opinion. Because the Panthers have been getting ran all over so far this season. All right, and Eckler just had a big day. Kelly had a decent day against them this week, and we'll get to that later. Actually, that's our next game. But Drake should have had a day versus the Lions. He didn't. He's the one thing that, you know, reaches out to me and says, hey, Drake still has a chance to be really good, and I'm not nearly as worried for Drake as I am for Mixon, is that Drake still gets the volume, and he's getting the volume in a very good offense. So he's going to improve from what he's done so far regardless. It's just, will he get to the point where he's getting, you know, 16 points a week, 17 points a week, which is, you know, kind of what we're expecting with him being a fringe round one, round two draft pick this year. So that's what's scary because he's not getting the receiving work. But hopefully touchdowns start coming. And next week is the best week to see it versus the Panthers. If he doesn't produce versus the Panthers, I'll be extremely worried. Then DeAndre Hopkins, he continues his dominance, and Andy Isabella, he showed those who held him in Dynasty that they made a really good choice. He had two touchdowns, so it's a good hold. Just keep him, but I don't expect him to be doing good, you know, every week. He's not somebody I'm trying to really scramble for on the waivers or add on my normal teams because his role's going to stay. You know, he's he's a good deep threat that opens things up, but, and you know, part of me thinks he's kind of like Scotty Miller a little bit for the Bucks. But Andy Isabella, you know, they have Larry Fitzgerald. They have DeAndre Hopkins. They have Christian Kirk. They have so many weapons there. Isabella, he might have some big games, but his ratio of big games versus bust games is going to be so bad, he's not somebody I want to roster. And you're not going to be able to predict it the weeks that he goes off. And that's what I got for that game. Moving on to the Panthers-Chargers. Well then, well then, maybe Tyrod Taylor really is the quarterback that gives them a better chance to win. I just like to leave a dramatic pause there because I want to see Tyrod. I want to see him back on the field. Look, I love Herbert, but he's somebody that I still think, you know, you let him marinate, let him develop, and bring Tyrod back on the field. All right? The Panthers without Christian McCaffrey led the entire game. Are you kidding? They basically led the entire game. Robbie Anderson is a wide receiver one so far. I don't expect that to continue. I will say, though, he's definitely going to do better on the season than I expected. He's getting a lot more targets than I expected. He's getting utilized in more ways than I expected. He's kind of getting utilized the way I thought they were going to utilize, utilize Curtis Samuel. 
And I thought Robbie was just going to be kind of what he was for the Jets and just go deep and get, you know, be a low target guy that makes a big impact because of his speed and his deep threat abilities and all that stuff. No, they're they're using him all over the place, which is funny because <laughs> I, I always laugh with uh, people that I'm watching with whenever we see the Panthers. Robbie Anderson does not look like a football player <laughs> at all. So the fact that he's like being used as much as he is and, you know, going over the middle of the field and getting cracked and stuff, it's pretty it's pretty funny to watch, but he's been pretty good. So, I mean, I can't knock him at all. So Robbie, you know, he's a guy that's not going to do what he's done so far. He's going to get worse. There's no way that he outproduces DJ Moore this whole season. At least I don't think that that can happen. So DJ Moore, and we'll actually talk about him later. I think he's a good buy low. Mike Davis, I was wrong here, guys. Mike Davis, so the Panthers surprised me in two ways. Robbie over, you know, what he's done so far this season. And then Mike Davis, he he was a good fill-in for CMC. He did way better than I expected. I expected the Chargers defense to shut down the running game and make D, uh, make Teddy Bridgewater beat them. And instead, Mike Davis was really good. And he got a lot of receiving work. He got the receiving work we wished that they were forcing to McCaffrey. Well, McCaffrey was healthy, which is frustrating. And he got a touchdown, so he, he was really good. If you have CMC and you picked up Mike Davis, I think he's a fine plug-and-play until Christian McCaffrey's back. And he'll probably produce at like 70%, which is great, or 65%, which is great because McCaffrey's elite. Justin Herbert loves him some Keenan Allen. 19 targets. 19 targets. And then Austin Eckler got 11 targets. Meanwhile, Mike Williams... Only one target. And you know how many times Justin Herbert threw the ball? 49 times. 49 times Mike Williams had one. Whereas Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler combined for 30. So I think we know who Herbert likes. Because it's not like the Panthers have a shutdown corner that was sitting on Mike Williams and making them look other ways. No, no, no. That defense does not have any players like that. Trust me. So Mike Williams is just not a a target that Herbert likes. But I will say that I do think when Tyrod is healthy, either next week or the week after, he will be starting again, in which case I will like Mike Williams. So I'm not like dropping him or anything. Don't, you know, overreact. But while Herbert is there, Mike Williams, do not start him. Colts versus Jets. We made it through by a mile, boys. Boys and I know there's actually a couple girls that listen to the podcast as well. So boys and girls, we made it through in the survivor pool by a mile. The Jets really are the worst team in the league, and they really might be 0-16. I think this coming Thursday might actually be their best chance to get a win versus the Broncos' third-string quarterback. So if you could sell Jonathan Taylor right now, so I'm kind of just moving right into this, but if you could sell Jonathan Taylor right now for a top 12 return or a top 10 return for a running back, I would do it. Because here's the thing, the Colts murdered the Jets. They were winning the entire game. This is the perfect Jonathan Taylor game script. And Jonathan Taylor put up a meager like 13 fantasy points. And, you know, pretty disappointed because they were just dominating this game. And the thing, too, that is worrying is that the Colts put up more than 35 points. I believe it was 37 or 38 to 7 that they won this game. And the Colts won off their defense. Plain and simple. They won off their defense. Rivers had a really bad day. You would know if you look at his fantasy points just right off the bat. He was bad. He's extremely worrying. That entire offense is extremely worrying. Now Michael Pittman just had surgery. And, you know, they're hoping he could be back in a couple weeks. But that's not a good sign. T.Y. Hilton has not been good. 
Jack Doyle seems like he is completely washed. That offense is really scary, and they already lost Campbell. Like, dude, Jonathan Taylor is the only thing. I don't care how good his offensive line is. Jonathan Taylor is the only person on the Colts' offense that any defense has to worry about. And you know what that's going to turn into? Joe Mixon. And that's really scary because Joe Mixon is struggling right now. And yes, I know Taylor has the offensive line, but you know what Mixon has at least? He has Joe Burrow and Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins and A.J. Green, at least to help him a little bit and take a little bit of pressure off of them. Jonathan Taylor doesn't have any of that. So I'm worried about Jonathan Taylor in redraft. And I own him. I'm not trying to hate on him. But I own him. And if you could sell him for like, you know, an RB1 return, I would do it. And that was pretty much what I got on that team. Like I said, survivor pick. We made it through boys and girls and on to the next week. And we'll talk about who my pick is on Thursday's podcast that releases Thursday morning. Now, just talking about Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon. Let's get to that game. Bengals-Eagles. Joe Burrow. I got to take a victory lap here, guys. Sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe maybe it's annoying, but I got to do it. I got to do it. Tyler Boyd. Another 20-point performance, 10 receptions for over 100 yards. And, and best part, most targeted wide receiver for the Bengals, as it should be, because he is their best wide receiver. Joe Burrow is also another victory lap here. Joe Burrow is also on pace to break the rookie quarterback yardage and passing touchdown records as of right now. And you guys know, if you've been listening, that this is what I predicted. And... You know, just a quick overview of why, not trying to get, you know, too extensively detailed here, but I knew Joe Burrow was going to have to throw the ball a lot because of how much the Bengals threw last year, over 600 passes last year, top five, they're probably going to be there again. And I also know that Joe Burrow not only would have to throw a lot, but he has good receivers to throw to between Higgins and Green and Tate and Boyd. And then lastly, I knew this would just help keep drives alive and give him more opportunities I knew that he has good legs, rushing legs, to keep him up upright, to keep him, you know, keeping drives alive. So I love Burrow, love Boyd, and it's looking like a pretty good stack that I have in most of my leagues this year so far. Tyler Boyd got 13 targets to A.J. Green's six targets. T. Higgins got nine targets. And we already talked a little bit about T. Higgins and the waiver pickup, so I won't touch on him that too much, but remember he got the two touchdowns. The Cincinnati future is bright. In Dynasty, so you guys know that I was just talking about Mixon and I'm scared that Jonathan Taylor could turn into to what Mixon has been so far. That should kind of give you a hint of how I feel about Mixon and it's not very good for this year, especially because their, their schedule is about to get disgusting. Mixon is going to have an extremely tough time. And in redraft, if someone's not paying attention to something like schedule and they think Mixon, let me be clear. In redrafts, Mixon is not, is not a buy-low. And if someone's telling you that he is, just tell them to look at the schedule. Because look, the one argument that could be made is, okay, Joe Burrow and the wide receivers have not completely gelled yet. They haven't struck fear into defenses yet. So defenses are stacking the boxes. They're focusing on stopping Joe Mixon, making a rookie quarterback beat them with a rookie receiver, a washed A.J. Green, and then Tyler Boyd. So the argument there is that as that gets better, it'll take pressure off Mixon and make it easier for him to run. That is true. But if you look at his schedule, 
It is really bad. It is horrible. Like, probably one of the hardest running back schedules over the next eight weeks. I wouldn't be surprised. So, and I don't think it's going to be, like, insane where Joe Burrow's turning into Russell Wilson and everyone's like, oh my gosh, we've got to stop the pass, we've got to stop the pass. So, with that said, Mixon, if you can sell him for, you know, pretty much, like, I would swap him for so many running backs right now. I would swap him for Kenyon Drake, if you can do that. I can. I would swap him for, this is... <sighs> This is tough. This is tough. But I would swap him for James Robinson plus. you you got to try and get a little bit more. But James Robinson plus a piece, I might contemplate doing that. Because Mixon is not in a good situation right now. With that said, Dynasty. Let's talk Dynasty. Joe Mixon is a good buy. Because everything I just said, you can point to and show the owner. Hey, look, you're in a good position to win this year. Joe Mixon has a really tough schedule. Let me give you... Oh, James Robinson. Let me give you blank. You know, give them something to help them win this year. Pull in Mixon because I do think Mixon will be very good once since he fixes that O-line. And you have to imagine, just for the sake of protecting their first overall pick, this free agency, this after the season is over, they are slamming that position. I guarantee it. They're at least bringing in one person in free agency, a big name that might be available, and they're definitely drafting offensive linemen. So the future is bright, and since the end, then Joe Burrow will have a year under his belt. T. Higgins will be developed into the offense. That offense will be much better. So I like Mixon in the future, just not this year. And the Eagles' injuries continue. Dallas Goddard got hurt. Djax, you can drop him. He's not worth the one to two good games that you cannot predict. So he's not somebody I'm carrying on my rosters anymore. Greg Ward led the team with 11 targets. And the silver lining... Of the Eagles team, because Carson still looks like he's struggling for some reason, Miles Sanders looks good. That's the silver lining. He looks good, and he's probably going to get better, and he's the one Eagle, the only Eagle, that I have confidence in, which is scary to say because I love the Eagles before the season started, but a lot of it being due to injury and also like Carson just not looking like the Carson he has been for some reason. Um those two things have combined to, you know, make the Eagles look completely different than what I thought. I thought they're going to be a, a high-firing, like, high-flying offense. Obviously, the Rager out, DJX not healthy, Alshon not healthy, all that stuff contributes. But Sanders is the one guy I'm super health, uh, super confident in there. Now let's move, oh man, now let's move to the Bears <laughs> Atlanta choke job game. I, I gotta, I gotta give a clap to Atlanta. You guys truly, truly continue to amaze me. You guys truly pull off the ine- the impossible. I almost said ine- inevitable because that's what it seems like them blowing leads is. It's inevitable. But they tr- really pulled off the impossible. Jeez, 99% win probability. Last week, lost. 98% win probability. This week, lost. That's insane. And I don't even think I got this stat on last week's po- last week's podcast. But go if you go back and remember that Dallas game, they were up by two touchdowns. or It was 16 points. They were up by 16 points with like six minutes to go. That's a clear win. If you look at teams up by... What was it? Oh, no. If you look at teams to score either 36 or 38 points since like 1930... And have zero turnovers. They were 420 and zero. They had never lost. 
Atlanta versus Dallas had all of those stats and found a way to lose. And then they had that 99% win probability. This week it was 98, and they lost again. And you, you love to see it. You love to see it. As a Bucks fan, I love to see it. And once again, I apologize to my Falcons listeners. I know it's rough, but you should be happy because, you know, they will probably fire Dan Quinn, which is what they should be doing. And, you know, you guys will probably land a pretty high pick in this draft. So there's some silver lining there. It's not all bad. Calvin Ridley continues his dominance. He is a locked-in wide receiver one this year, as predicted here on Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast. But even better than predicted, he's probably going to be a locked-in top five wide receiver. He was my wide receiver 10 in projections this year. Hayden Hurst, not getting the target share we all want for him. If somebody's not paying attention to the box score, if someone doesn't see that he only got one target and they see that he got a touchdown and had like eight points or whatever, and you could sell him, or you could sell him to somebody that thinks his role is going to expand because he's new to the team, which might be true. But the fact that Russell Gage has been really good, Zacchaeus has been really good, and Julio has been hurt and is probably going to come back soon and be very healthy. Hurst's role is not going to get bigger, in my opinion. Even if it gets a tiny bit bigger, it's not going to get to where people are hoping or might think it would get. So I think Hurst is a good sell if you have to. And remember, I just bought Hurst, but I did it by selling Ertz, who I still think is going to be worse than Hurst. So, you know, I don't feel bad about that move. But Hurst in general is not going to be what I assume or what I realize that everyone wanted him to be. So sell him if you can get that return back. Todd Gurley, he's a bust this year, guys. He is a bust. He stumbled into a touchdown, which is perfect because it makes him a good sell high. So despite his good game, he's not even, he might not, this is going to piss some people off. He might not even be the best running back on his team. Brian Hill looked really good. And Brian Hill gets a lot of usage as well, which is really bad for Gurley. Mitch Trubisky on the bare side of the ball. Finally got benched. It was inevitable. Foles comes in and (laughs) he pulls off the magic again. Sick comeback win. Remember, they had a 2%. The Bears had a 2% chance of winning this game. Once it got into the fourth quarter, Enfoles pulled it off versus the Atlanta choke jobs. Allen Robinson is back to top 12 wide receiver status. I told you guys he was a good buy low, and he turned in, what was it, a 20-point or 25-point fantasy game this week versus Atlanta? So that was awesome. And he's going to be great with Fultz. Fultz helps everyone in the offense. And it sucks. It really sucks. Because I was going to say, once they put Fultz in, I was like, yes, Tariq Cohen. I held him in a couple leagues. I wanted to give him more than two weeks to show me something. And this is going to be good. Fultz is going to check it down to Tariq a lot. Tariq is going to get... And then guess what happens? Tariq probably tore his ACL. So that really is unfortunate for Tariq. I'm not going to act like it's unfortunate for us. It's really unfortunate for him. But... With that said, that's basically the Bears-Atlanta game. And now the Patriots-Raiders, Cam Newton came back to earth. And guess what happened when he did so? Julian Edelman, disappointed. The run game dominates in New England. Anytime that they can just beat you by running, that's what they're going to do. So unless you have a super pass-heavy game script incoming like the Seattle game, I'm not playing any of the New England wide receivers, Edelman or Harry. No way am I paying, playing them in a game where Cam Newton and the running backs can just run the rock all the way to a W. Because that's what Belichick's preferred way to win is with Cam Newton and with that defense. So Edelman's not going to be the PPR guy that we all think he is. 
Okay, he's a solid wide receiver four. He's an uh, okay, okay wide receiver three. But he has a much lower floor than usual because they don't have to throw the ball a lot. So with the run game in mind, Burkhead, we talked about him earlier, dominated three touchdowns in um, the void left by James White. Also, Sonny Michelle had a good day. I think he eclipsed 100 yards, but I'm still not really touching their running backs other than Burkhead. I'm touching. I'm basically touching their receiving back because he'll get a lot of carries because they run the ball a lot, but also get some more points from receiving. And right now, that's Burkhead until James White gets back. Josh Jacobs, he's had two iffy games in a row. So I think that makes him a good buy low. If someone's worried about him for some reason, go ahead and take your shot at Jacobs because the Patriots defense, they did exactly what we thought they were going to do. They always take out the number one uh, uh, offensive option on a team. And if they can, they do it to the number two and they try and make you beat them to other guys. And that's what they did. They eliminated Waller and they eliminated Jacobs. That's the Patriots MO, eliminate the best options. We saw it coming. They did it to perfection and they won the game. So Darren Waller, I'm not worried about him. I expected him to have a really bad game, but I couldn't really sit him because if you have Darren Waller, you're probably not somebody that has another really, really good tight end because you spent a high pick on Waller. So that's why I wasn't really like, hey, go sit Darren Waller. I was hoping maybe he could get a touchdown or something. But yeah, Waller and Jacobs, if anybody's worried about them, I'm not worried about them at all. Those are the only two guys I want to own in that offense. Now let's move to the Titans Vikings. Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry both had a day. And then Justin Jefferson is here, folks. It was glorious. He had his 175 yards and a touchdown. He broke out, looked great. Adam Thielen, on the other hand, he may not be as good as we thought. I thought he was, I'm trying to remember where I have him ranked, had him ranked. I think he was my wide receiver 13 uh, preseason. I think he's probably more in that like 16 to 18 range for the rest of the season. The offenses are right, but it's really not that great and not probably as good as we expected it to be. Plus, now Jefferson's starting to get moving, so Thielen's not going to be the only option in that offense anymore. So I'm kind of worried there. You know, Thielen's going to be a, a wide receiver too, but I don't think he's going to be nearly as good as we all thought he could be. And I, I feel like there were a lot of people that thought he was a locked-in wide receiver one. So if you were one of those people, I don't blame you at all. I definitely saw that pathway, but I think it's time to to pull back the expectations for him. And then Johnny Smith, he's a solid option all year. Corey Davis, while A.J. Brown is out, is a decent flex play. I flexed him in a couple of my leagues because I, I've been hit with so many injuries, especially with Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams. So, um, And those are in keeper leagues because you guys know I slam running back high at drafts. But in dynasty and keeper leagues, I, I had them carried over from like that I got in a trade or whatever. Um, so, yeah, Johnny Smith is good all year, and Davis is good until A.J. Brown is back. Now we got the Bills and the Rams. Man, what a roller coaster game that we had here. Darrell Henderson, he had another huge day. 20 carries led him to 114 yards. Great efficiency, and he got a touchdown. Turned in more than 20 points in fantasy. Josh Allen played really good, but, but he had a lot of turnovers. Or, sorry, he should have had a lot of turnovers. We were talking about this earlier. And his errant throws brought the Rams back into the game. And honestly, the Bills got bailed out with a BS, a BS pass interference call in the end of the game on fourth down. The game should have been over. The Rams were up. The Bills missed their fourth down throw, and they got bailed out with a BS pass interference. So that sucks for Rams fans. And I am so glad 
that I did not bet on that game because I thought the Rams were going to win that game. I got super like surprised and worried after the Bills were stomping them. And then the Rams came back. Not surprising to me because Josh Allen is not somebody that is necessarily like the guy I want to trust to hold a lead. And then just because of some of the decisions, questionable decisions he makes. And then, you know, that that happened. So I'm glad I didn't take the Rams because I would have been super mad because they definitely should have won that game. But with all that said, Josh Allen, despite all his craziness, it's great for fantasy. He's a locked-in top-six quarterback. I really feel comfortable saying that Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, and Kyler are all rest-of-season top-six quarterbacks. And that's five. I just named five. So I don't know who the other person that's going to be uh, slipping into the top six, but I feel like that's our top six. Uh, Maybe, you know, the other one ends up being, hmm, let me think. Maybe it it might be Joe Burrow. I would love that because I projected him as QB8. So if he finishes at QB6, that would be amazing. So maybe it's Joe Burrow. He's not too far off. He's right now QB9. Maybe it's like Matt Ryan. We'll see what happens there. But yeah, those are, I think all five of those quarterbacks are locked in as the top guys. And Gabriel Davis, we talked about him earlier. He had a nice showing. 49ers Giants. Nick Mullins looked good. He, you know, he looked good before when Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt. I believe not last season, but the season before. He had no interceptions, and he had 343 yards and a touchdown. So, honestly, that's that's amazing. That's so far ahead of what you want out of your backup quarterback. And he was good for fantasy, too, because McKinnon was sick. Jeff Wilson was sick. Brandon Ayuk was sick. And you got to believe when George Kittle comes back, if... See, they're saying, you know, he's day-to-day, talking about, um, sorry, Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is day-to-day, so that might be the only thing we see of Nick Mullins. But if Nick Mullins ends up starting at any other point in the season, or if they want to just let Garoppolo sit another week, he's going to be good. He's a, He'll be a fine fill-in for Garoppolo for your fantasy guys. So even when George Kittle's back, I think he'll be great with Mullins, too. He was in the past. And like we saw, talked about already, Brandon Ayuk was really good. I think this was the week of the rookie wide receivers, and I think he's the top pickup out of all of them. Daniel Jones, let's talk about him. He ain't it, fellas. He New York, I'm sorry, but Daniel Jones ain't it. That running back room is ugh, gross. That running back room is gross. I'm not touching any of those guys. It's a bad offense, and there's three people there sharing the load, so no thank you. Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, and Golden Tate, all three should be really good in most matchups because of Barkley and Shepard being out, but Ingram looked bad. And maybe those rumors of Ingram being traded had some merit to them. So really, Slayton and Tate are going to be the guys that I'm trusting for fantasy purposes because of the injuries. And Ingram, because he's a tight end, and we know how the tight end landscape always is, which by the way, there's so many like better streaming tight ends this year than I've ever seen over like the past five years when I've been like super solid into like research and stuff. I've been playing for longer than that, but research wise about four or five years. And I think it's a great tight end, you know, stream situation, but Evan Ingram is still one of the better guys. And so even though he's looking not good and stuff because of how many targets he should be getting, I think he'll still be fine. Then we got the Texans Steelers game. Deshaun Watson will be a good fantasy option. But he is not in the tier he was drafted in. He was not, or he is not, anywhere close to Kyler, Russ, or Dak. And that was the tier he was drafted in. Oftentimes he was drafted ahead of those guys. 
he was the one I was trying to stay away from because of, and I'm not trying to take a victory lap. I'm just, you know, talking, but Deshaun Watson was one of the guys I was saying stay away from because of the injury risk of not really him, but more of everyone in the offense. You know, Will Fuller has been hurt a lot. David Johnson's been hurt a lot. Brendan Cook's dealt with a lot of concussions. Kenny Stills gets hurt a lot. Randall Cobb is old and might get hurt. That was a big reason why I was staying away from Deshaun Watson. Also, just because, you know, losing Hopkins, I mean, that's going to be really, really rough. And when a team can just focus on, like, Watson, and they don't have as much to worry about in terms of the receivers, and they can, like, put a QB spy on him more often and stuff like that, it's going to make it rougher for him. And I think that's all That's all coming into fruition. He, he had some nice plays versus the Steelers, but he's not in the tier he was drafted. David Johnson... He was bad, and he had a touchdown, and he was bad. I don't even think he hit double-digit fantasy points. I'm pretty sure he had, like, nine, and he had a touchdown. That is atrocious. And David Johnson in bad matchups, I mean, he's pretty predictable in ter- for me, like, in terms of, like, when to play him, when not to play him, which is cool. It's good for fantasy to be able to know when to play somebody and when they're going to have a bad day so you can plug in someone else. But David Johnson, to me, is predictable. If they play a bad defense, I'm not playing D- David Johnson, period. James Conner, man. Woo! We were all worried and we were all writing him off. And I'm not even going to say I was not one of those people. I was writing off James Conner too, and I was wrong. He is healthy and he is a great running back still. He is. And he really is. Like, they don't care how often he gets hurt. They're just giving him the rock when he's healthy and he dominates those touches. So James Conner is a great back and I love him a lot for fantasy, especially with all the injuries that we've uh, like had happen. He's a fringe RB1, if not and RB1 the rest of the season. Deontay Johnson, he did go out from a concussion, so he'll probably be back soon. If not next week, then he'll you know he'll only miss one a week at the most. Anthony McFarland seems like the guy. He's probably the guy if, if James Conner goes down. So if you're you know if you were holding Benny Snell for whether it it be because you have James Conner and you want his backup or you're hoping John, James Conner gets hurt or if he gets hurt you have you know the next man up. I think that guy is not Benny Snell, I think it's McFarlane. Because he was inactive week one, and now he's active, and he he looks pretty good. So I like McFarlane as the backup there. Washington football team. There, there we go. I got it down. I didn't say it. Washington football team versus the Browns. Antonio Gibson continues to look good, and I think he's going to take over soon, and he can be a solid RB2. He led them in touches. He punched in a touchdown. He looks good, man. And also, if you see, like, the fumble... The fumble was totally on Haskins. That was not on Antonio Gibson at all. Because, okay, just try and picture the situation when a quarterback hands the ball off to the running back. So what happened was Dwayne Haskins was handing the ball to Antonio Gibson and extended his arm past Antonio Gibson's body and put the ball all the way, like, outside of Antonio Gibson's frame, which is like... really dude <laughs> come on man so it was really on Haskins and I'm sure the coaching staff realizes that so I don't think I don't have any worries about that fumble hurting Gibson in the future and I wonder I wonder if we see Alex Smith I hope we do that would be amazing because like it completes the perfect comeback story and he has to become back player of the year if he plays a snap like his story is amazing amazing and I really want to see him play and I, I think it's probably, like, if he... So we don't really know, like, he looks good, and it seems like he's walking, and he's fine and everything, but we don't know how he runs around, how he can escape the pocket and stuff. We haven't seen it, but if he can do so, 
if he is 80% mobility of what he was, then I think Alex Smith can really help this offense, and I think he's going to be better than Haskins. So if they bring him in, then all of a sudden Antonio Gibson shoots up my rankings. Terry McLaurin shoots up my rankings. Logan Thomas, who continues to get targets, and they're just not good targets, shoots up my rankings. So I'm I'm hoping that we might see a changing of the guard there for my uh, Logan Thomas and Anthony or <laughs> Anthony Antonio Gibson shares. Nick Chubb and Hunt on the other side of the ball. They are the Browns' identity. Beware of Nick Chubb in negative game scripts. All right, if there's a game that you look at and you're like, yeah, like the Ravens game, a game that you look at and you're like, yeah, the Browns are going to be losing the entire game. They're going to be trying to catch up. Those are the games that Chubb is not going to be good. And, you know, I mean, it's it's really just that simple. So Chubb is somebody I'm selling high on if I can because he's game script dependent. And Hunt is still really good. Him and Chubb have actually been amazing together. And that's not great for Chubb because he's not the main guy there. Or he's the main guy there, but he's not the only guy there. So that's why you got to be worried about him. The Browns wide receivers are all bench warmers on teams at this point. I'm not starting either of them ever. Like, maybe if, you know, I have injuries and I need to plug somebody in. But, geez, I mean, Odell and Jarvis are both looking like busts at ADP, which you definitely would not have bet on. Like, you would have thought at least one of them returned, if not both, on their low ADPs. But it looks like both of them are busts. Packers-Saints, we only got two games left, so we're we're almost there, boys. Packers and Saints, Alan Lazard, my man, is definitely the number two for Aaron Rodgers. I, and I don't say my man like as if I've been high on him. I'm just saying, like, pff, after that performance, that's my man. You know what I'm saying? So he may be good all year as a flex, even when Devontae Adams is back. Because it seems like Rodgers really trusts him now. He's giving him some 50-50 balls, and Lazard's pulling him down. And it, they just they have a nice connection, and it's brewing well for them. So I like Lazard a lot. He's a great pickup. If he's available, I think he's a great pickup. Rodgers has done well so far. But, and actually has a really juicy matchup this next week versus Atlanta. But after that game, I'm selling high. After this game versus Atlanta, I'm selling high because I believe he plays, uh, well, I know he plays Tampa Bay at some point. And then he had like two other games, man. I wish I had pulled up in front of me at this moment so I could tell you. Just go check his schedule real quick if you want. But after this Atlanta game, his schedule gets a little bit harder. And I think he's going to, you know, not be, he won't be like, QB6 on the year, which is probably after this Atlanta game where he's going to be because he's probably dropping 35 points, 40 points on Atlanta. And after a game like that, you can probably make a case to the person you're trying to give Rodgers to like, hey, Rodgers is going crazy. Jordan Love is making Rodgers, you know, have just all this extra motivation. Alan Lazard is looking better now, which all this stuff is, is true, by the way. But I don't think it's going to be to the effect in which we're seeing so far and what he's going to do versus the Falcons. If you can sell Aaron Rodgers as if he's a top three quarterback, do it. For sure, do it. Especially if you have a guy like Joe Burrow on the bench or, you know, Gardner Minshew or Matt Ryan or somebody along those lines. Then we have the, oh, and actually, sorry, one more thing. I need to get to the same side of the ball. Whoops, almost forgot about them. Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook. They are the only people to own in New Orleans. Emmanuel Sanders did not step up. Alvin Kamara had a 44% target share. He's probably the RB1 this year. 44% target share, guys. That's insane. Obviously, that's going to go down when Michael Thomas comes back. But, whoo, 
Camaro looks great. And if you didn't see the touchdown run, look it up. Trust me, it's easy to find because it was amazing. It was a 50-yarder, and he made like six people miss. He was just, and it looked like so effortless for Camaro. So that was a sick run. Go look at that. It was actually a reception. And then lastly, we have the game that I just finished watching, the Ravens-Chiefs game. The Lamar regression is upon us. And it's like massive, guys, massive. He had about a 50% completion percentage today. Only 6.5 yards per completion. Not per attempt. Not per attempt. No, 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 no. 6.5 yards per completion. Guys, that is atrocious. He was missing, like, like I said, I just finished watching this game, so it's very fresh in my mind. He is missing way too many throws. Way too many throws. I believe his longest completion today was 19 yards. He missed... He did have one nice throw at Mark Andrews that Mark Andrews should have caught in the end zone. That would have been like a 30-yard pass or a 35-yard pass, and Andrews dropped it. But other than that, I mean, he was throwing behind receivers. He's just missing throws all over the place. He's more accurate than he was his rookie year. He has improved, but I don't think... You know, it's easy to see Lamar Jackson play and how good he is as a runner and how explosive their offense is, and be like, yo, he's a really good passer too. He's really not. Like, he has the potential and the physical ability to pull off very difficult throws, but he seldom does actually pull the throw off. And his regular throws, he just, like, he's behind the guy, or throws it too far in front of the guy. Like, his his timing or anticipation is just not there. And the Chiefs know that. The Chiefs have the Ravens calling guard. They know they have their number. And I don't think the Ravens have any chance to win the Super Bowl because obviously to get to the Super Bowl, you have to get through all the teams in the AFC. And the Chiefs ain't getting taken down by anybody else. Not that I can think of. Um, so the Ravens would run into them eventually. And they ain't getting past the Chiefs because you know what Lamar's weakness is? When his team gets behind, he cannot play well. He relies on the threat of the run game being there. And when they are down by a lot and you know they're going to have to throw and they have to throw, Lamar Jackson is not the guy you want in that situation. So also the Chiefs look great. Really, there's nothing to too notable there. Um, what's his name? Miko Hardman did almost have a two-touchdown game. He dropped a pass. Like I told you guys, so many people are dropping passes in every single game. It's ridiculous. Like I told you, Andrews dropped a touchdown pass. Well, Michael Hardman also dropped a touchdown pass. And he also had another one. So he could have had a huge day. Two touchdowns near 100 yards, if not over that. But yeah, the Chiefs, they looked good. Patrick Mahomes is great. Clyde is great. Like everyone looked good. So there's not too much there. And that concludes our what we learned or our summaries on the games. And now we just got a, cute, uh, a couple things and we'll, we'll be done. We'll wrap it up. Bylos. DJ Moore, he's a good buy-low. Robbie Anderson is not going to outproduce him the rest of the season. Josh Jacobs, good buy-low. He had two iffy, iffy games in a row. People might be worried on him. Go get him while you can. Kenyon Drake, I think, so this one's a little more risky, but he's in a good offense. He gets a lot of rushes. Hopefully, the some receptions start coming, but even if not, he should get more touchdowns and start being a little bit more efficient in the run game. And his schedule's not too, too bad. He actually has a pretty favorable schedule the next three weeks 
especially next week versus the Panthers. So he's a good buy low. Sell highs. Robbie Anderson, sell high. Todd Gurley, sell high. Nick Chubb, you could sell high. There was a couple guys, I think, when I was going over the game scripts or, or the game, like, you know, summaries that I think I said you could sell high to. Um, I just didn't write them down right here in the sell high category. So that's my bad. But I'm sure you've listened to this point, so you already heard it anyways. And now let's talk about where I was right, where I was wrong. So some victory laps. Dalvin Cook blew up. I told you guys he was going to have a great game. He did. Almost 30 points. Fitzpatrick, I told him he was, or I told you guys he was a good start. He played great, had like 25 points. Jerick McKinnon was another one of my starts. He had a great day. Allen Robinson was a buy low for me and a start. And he's even going to be better with Foles now, and he had a great day. I told you guys to sit Melvin Gordon because the Bucks defense, and they were going to have a negative game script trying to catch up, and he was a bust. Sit A.J. Green. He was a bust, and he might have lost his role to T. Higgins. David Johnson, I said, sit. 10 points, and that was with a touchdown. And then the, tight, the Titans, the Bucks, and the Colts, three of the teams I was saying are decent survivor picks, all won. Granted, the Titans was by whoo, one, one point. Wow. One point, they beat the Vikings. The Bucks demolished the Broncos. I told you guys, if you wanted to be super safe, that was the way to go. And the Colts, I, if you guys remember, I was like kind of nervous, honestly. I'm not going to like act like I wasn't. I was kind of nervous. My gut was screaming at me, don't take that game. Don't take the Colts versus the Jets. I don't know why, because all logic pointed to the Colts, and that's why my ultimate pick, which I told you guys was the Colts. And it worked out well, which is perfect because I don't want to take the Colts anymore the rest of this season. I don't like the rest of their schedule. And lastly, the Bucks as a good streaming defense. I said they were really good this week. They had six sacks, two interceptions, 10 points allowed. Then what about some defeat duds, places I was wrong? Because I'm not going to just give you guys the highlights. I got to give you guys the lows too. So you could trust me. I got to be transparent. Minshew, I thought he was a good start even without DJ Chark. And he suffered. He suffered without Chark. Cam Newton, I thought it was going to be a good start because I thought the Raiders were going to be better at putting up points. And I thought Newton was going to have to throw the ball more. That was not the case. The ground game dominated and Newton was not a good start. Josh Kelly, me along with pretty much anywhere that you find, that you look at start set articles or whatnot, all thought Josh Kelly was a good play because we expected the Chargers to be up versus the Panthers. Panthers don't have a good run defense and Josh Kelly to run the ball a lot. That did not happen. The Panthers led the whole time. The Jaguars lost to the Dolphins. I thought the Jags were going to win that game. The Chargers as a good stream defense. I told you guys that was another one of my suggestions with the Bucks. The Panthers dominated them somehow. Like the Chargers defense is so good. I don't understand how that happened. I really don't, but it did. And the Chargers defense did not turn in a good day at all. And then lastly, I, I didn't feel like Mike Davis was going to be a good fill-in for CMC, and he was. And so those were my defeat duds. I just went over, you know, where I was right, wrong. Last thing, survivor pick, guys were still alive. We got Seattle out the way, the Chargers out the way, and the Colts out the way. We still have all the best teams available to us, and I'm pretty confident in my pick for next week. So stay tuned for Thursday's episode Guys, if you've listened to this point, you obviously like the podcast or you like listening to my voice or something, whatever the case may be, drop me a rating, drop me a review. It means so much to me. It doesn't take too much of you guys' time and the impact it has for me is amazing. It goes a very long way. So I'd really appreciate that. Also, reach out to a friend, you know, tell them about your boy, Brandon over here at Deep Dive Fantasy Football. With all that said, 
I hope you guys had a good week. I hope you guys turned in some wins. Remember, you can DM me personally, and I will get back to you. I'm very good with responding on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, that's pretty much it <laughs> for, for the DMing. But you can also check out the website where I put my starts and sits for the week up on the website. On the homepage, you just got to scroll down a tiny bit, and you'll see it right there for you. I'm going to start doing that, continue doing that. I did that this week, and I'm going to do it for week four once um, I finish my you know starts and sits and everything for Thursday's podcast. So look out for that. With all that said, good luck into this next week. Remember, the waiver wire pickups. Ayuk is my favorite one out of all of them. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor. Peace out, guys.